0: You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported.
1: Community Radio for South Central Indiana.
2: Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Cade Young. You're listening to the WFHB Local News for Tuesday, January 3rd, 2022
3: Uh, and and being requested to be rezoned to mixed use institutional for the purpose of building a new county jail facility. So
4: I strongly encourage you all to not support this rezone tonight.
2: Later in the program, the Bloomington City Council voted against an ordinance to rezone 87 acres of property on Fullerton Pike for the purpose of building a new jail. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, we have the latest edition of Little Bub's Little Show, a co-production between the WFHB Local News and Little Bub's Big Fund. But first, your local headlines. During the December 21st meeting of the Bloomington City Council, the council heard an ordinance to rezone about 87 acres on Fullerton Pike for a new jail. City Development Services Manager Jackie Scanlon gave an overview of the ordinance.
3: Uh, The petition tonight uh, is plan commission case number Z-O-4022, and the request is a zoning map amendment, otherwise known as a rezone, um, located here at Fullerton Pike and uh, Interstate 69, um, 87.12 acres that is currently zoned, um, mixed-use employment. Uh, and and being requested to be rezoned to mixed use institutional for the purpose of building a new county jail facility. Um, The property is uh, here, it's vacant currently. Um, It is zoned ME, the comprehensive plan designation at this location is employment center as well as I-69 interchange. Um, And surrounding uses include uh, more vacant ME to the north, uh, quarry to the um, east, and a single family across the highway to the west and a couple of single family to the south and one to the
2: northeast. Monroe County Commissioner Lee Jones offered a plea for the county to pursue the rezone request for the new facility, saying she wants to see a more, quote, treatment approach.
1: I just want to start out by saying that when the term jail is used, that kind of people have a general notion of what that means. And that is not necessarily what we're looking for. We know that an awful lot of the problems that the jail is dealing with aren't going to be solved through incarceration. As a matter of fact, they're actually frequently made quite a bit worse by incarceration. We're looking to divide the jail probably. We will always need a jail for people who are actually a danger to our community or a danger to themselves. But it doesn't need to be a jail, a huge jail. Um, We are looking to include more of a treatment-oriented component of the jail, both for treating mental illness and substance abuse. Um, We also would like to separate detox from the jail, which could allow a number of people to move to a different situation once they've gone through detox than just being automatically jailed. So we are not looking for just your traditional notion. We want to move ahead. And this is something that the state of Indiana is actually very supportive of. They're the ones who said, we have to get over this idea that we can incarcerate our way out of these problems. It's not going to happen. It just makes them worse. So we have to look for a whole new way of approaching
2: this. County Commissioner Julie Thomas stepped up to the podium to address the transportation concerns regarding the new potential jail site.
5: Thank you, Julie Thomas, Monroe County Commissioner. I just want to uh, address one specific point and then um, uh, County Attorney Jeff Cockrell will provide you a quick overview of our project. Um, This has come up a number of times and it's been bothering me quite a bit. What are you gonna do about transportation? Well, there isn't a road there yet. (laughs) So it's, it's a tough question, right? How do you talk about transportation when a road hasn't been built yet? Well, that road will be built. And you have to remember that this is going to change a lot about transit and transportation and routes for the whole county's population when Fullerton Pike is completed, which will be at about the time the jail facility will be completed. It's interesting to see in the comp plan a note that it's an employment area because there are transit options, but yet we're told there are no transit options, which is it? Here's the thing, if we were an employer of a private company and we came to you all and said, we wanna put uh, an office building, a flex space building here. I don't think anybody in the planning department would ask us, what are you gonna do about transit? Because they'd say, well, look, Fullerton Pike's gonna be finished. This is part of the city. We'll take care of business. So I'd really like to ask the city, what are you going to do about transit? You are in the city. You are the city government. I know you're not the transit board. That's a separate unit. What will you do about transit? Why are you asking us this question? However, rest assured, we will take care of transit if we have to take care of transit. Uh, I'm certainly not saying we won't do that. But I just wonder why the onus is on us
2: in this, uh, through this planning. County Attorney Jeff Cockerell broke down why the county approached the city council to make the map amendment request for the property on Fullerton Pike. Um, We're asking for the uh, map amendment request uh, to
6: change the zone from ME to MI. Uh, The purpose of this request is to allow the county to proceed with purchasing property and beginning master planning for the site, which will include a correctional facility. I think that is something that we know that we need to to deal with immediately. And we'll talk about some of the other things as we move forward. The county is asking for a determination from the city that this is an appropriate place for this use. That's the the conversation we're having tonight. Um, And while we're more than happy to provide information as to why a new facility is necessary, and we think you guys need that background, uh, we're not asking the city council to make a determination on on that, that matter. We're simply asking, is this a good
2: site for us to put this on? Local resident and member of Care Not Cages, Sydney Foreman spoke during public comment, expressing concerns about transportation and construction issues.
4: Uh, rezoning this site for a new jail is rash and has not been thought through. Uh, The current complete lack of public transportation, which I know has been a hot topic tonight. Um, The routes that are proposed to this site um, mean that it will at least take time to create the roads and the bus routes. The CJRC um, claims without evidence that bus routes will be added and will be adequate, and we have seen neither plans nor budget for such a change nor any communication from Bloomington Transit and i think recognizing that transportation for a business hub with people who are working nine to five is going to look very different from individuals who are getting released from prison at 2 a.m and have no way to get home and that one person every day does very much matter that they have a way to get home as well the cjrc reported on a survey that they conducted with the monroe county prosecutor's office the public defender's office and the bar association on their thoughts about the building and the building of a new jail and two remote courtrooms at the Fullerton Pike property and the responses of this survey should be a huge red flag to everyone who is considering this rezone. If you haven't read them, I suggest you do. Um, a more jo- majority of the responses were not in support of the addressed concerns about this location and transportation. Um, one of the re- responses of the survey said, and I quote, That is the absolute worst idea I've ever heard. There is no possible way for me to do my job properly if some courts in the jail are a 20-minute drive away. This will slow down court proceedings and the judicial process even more. The judges will be furious, clients will be furious, attorneys will be furious every day," end quote. Another one says, quote, bad idea, there is plenty of space downtown, end quote. And the last one I will quote says, quote, it would be difficult to bring inmates from the proposed location to the Justice Building downtown. I see this being a lot of work and think you need to change your plan. It just doesn't seem feasible." End quote. Um, the comprehensive plan has dedicated this land to creating new jobs. Not only would this rezone of the property be determining the fate of this property is not creating any new jobs, but even the construction of the new jail would not create new jobs. Jail construction is so specialized it requires contractors with highly specific skills. The contracting companies available are specific and limited, and none of them are locally sourced. For example, in Franklin County, Ohio, near Columbus, a, jail, a new jail was built that the CJRC members have cited as a model jail for Monroe County. This jail was built by the multinational corporation DLZ. Hiring DLZ, or an equivalent, would channel local taxpayer money out of Bloomington and out of Monroe County whereas the original zone for the space would create employment because building shops, spaces for offices, or manufacturing is much less specialized and could rely on local, local contractors who employ local people. Um, the site is supposed to be an employment center, as mentioned. There are not many other sites in Bloomington which could support such an employment center on this scale, rezoning this property, which is supposed to welcome people into Bloomington for it to be used as a coercion, surveillance, and control which will not continue to, which will not contribute to the safety of our community. It is a bad idea. So-called treatment in jail doesn't work and will not make this community safer. Meaningful employment, on the other hand, is one of the things that creates public safety. By neglecting the opportunity to develop our local economy, what the ED lit funds are supposed to be for, we are missing opportunity to strengthen our community. So I strongly encourage you all to not support this rezone tonight.
2: Thank you. Another member of Care Not Cages, Nicole Siegel, spoke in opposition to the rezone request via Zoom.
7: I have been speaking with um, other members of the Bloomington community as part of an effort we're calling Care Not Cages, uh, a group that opposes the expansion of the prison system for a lot of the reasons that folks have articulated already. Um, I want to talk about employment in general and the impact That moving the jail out of downtown would have Um, if the new jail is built at this facility, most of the actors within the within the existing criminal legal system. um, Would have to leave downtown or spend large portions of their days away from downtown Um, we're talking here about judges lawyers jurors uh, when there are jury trials all the law enforcement dealing with. Uh, bringing folks from the jail in the jail, probation and parole, bail bondsmen, uh, people uh, interacting with the new alternatives to incarceration um, like electronic monitoring, agencies that provide support for incarcerated people or formerly incarcerated people and their families. Uh, and this means that we would be sucking all of that economic life out of Bloomington's downtown because you know currently the way we have it set up, Uh, with the co-location in the downtown economy, this means that all the attorneys, clerks, judges, and staff who on a regular basis um, as a part of their jobs interact with people in the jail contribute to the downtown Bloomington economy. And so the, the courthouse resting in the heart of downtown Bloomington provides an opportunity for judges, judicial staff, attorneys, and others Um, to go to local restaurants, shops, pay for parking, uh, and to be regular members of the Bloomington community as they engage daily with downtown businesses. The the rezoning then would um, cause the downtown Bloomington economy to suffer, which is precisely the opposite of the goal for this property in the comprehensive plan. Also, I wanna second Bryn's point that if we have the staff If we cut in half the staff of the existing jail, um, we have a net loss in employment there as well. Uh, And and I want to just make a comment as well about um, why the existing jail is a terrible space. Um, In part, it's a terrible space because it's a jail, period. In part, it's a terrible space because over the years, local officials have made decision after decision making it so. So in the CRJC, there's been much discussion of how the new jail would have blue walls and natural light. and uh, The existing jail lacks natural light because about 10 years ago, the jail chose to layer metal mesh over the windows so that people couldn't see their family members who used to gather on the pavement below holding up signs to their loved ones. Why do we think that a new facility would have officials making decisions any different than the ones they made about the existing facility? I think regardless of the sort of amorphous assurances we keep getting from Lee Jones, which seem to involve her own personal crystal ball, to use Mike Carmen's image, there's just no reason to think that a new jail will end up being any better than an existing one, uh, even if it's built with you know, beautiful high windows in some cathedral-esque way. I do not understand why the CRJC thinks that they can convince the city council they're going to be administering treatment in a jail, mental health treatment, substance abuse, any other kind of treatment. Everybody, even the pro-jail building figures, agree that treatment is what the county needs. So let's build a treatment facility instead. Or even better, let's use the existing treatment providers. Let's fund them fully and let them help people outside of a detention facility. The jail should stay downtown. The population should be shrunk to the size of a small walnut by supporting the social services that we know keep people out of jail. Our community boasts many effective and experienced service providers who deliver these services at high quality and would do so even more with better funding. Then the jail will have the space for programming and meetings no longer bursting at the seams, it will easily meet constitutional standards. Thank you.
2: The Bloomington City Council unanimously vetoed the ordinance to rezone the Fullerton Pike property for the purpose of building a new jail. The City Council will meet again on January 11th. up next we have the latest edition of little bub's lil show a co-production between the wfhb local news and little bub's big fund we turn now to that segment
0: welcome to lil bub's lil show a weekly co-production from WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. On today's episode of Lil Bub's Lil Show, we're going to be talking about one of nature's most important land stewards, the beaver. Beavers are the second largest living rodent, and they can be found in a number of freshwater habitats like rivers, streams, lakes, and ponds. Water is the most important part of their habitat. They have very thick coats of fur that help keep them warm, help them float, and help protect them from predators. They are herbivorous, meaning they eat plants, and they're mainly nocturnal, spending most days in their shelters and becoming more active at twilight and into the night. Beavers are skilled swimmers. They have large skulls and powerful chewing muscles, which they need to chew down trees for building dams and lodges. Besides trees and tree branches, beavers use vegetation, rocks, and mud to build their homes. When they create dams and lodges, they impound water, which serves as shelter for other animals. Their infrastructure creates wetlands used by many other species, and because of their effect on other organisms in the ecosystem, They are considered a keystone species. They also create water channels to forage through their environment. Through these deep water channels, beavers can easily navigate their surroundings, access food sources, and avoid predators. The backed up water they create then spreads across the surrounding landscape, creating complex side channels that support fish habitats This backed up water also seeps into the ground, allowing underground aquifers to be refilled. Through their daily activities, beavers alter the landscape and create habitats for many other species like fish, aquatic animals, and birds, making them an important piece of our natural ecosystem. The complexes that beavers make can also act as water filters, trapping sediment and filtering out toxins to improve downstream water quality. They also help to slow spring runoff, which buffers the impact of flooding and drought in many places. Another important thing beavers help with is climate change. As climate change leads to increased frequency and strength of wildfires, the work of beavers has significant beneficial impacts. Beaver meadows can function as fire breaks and shield plants and animals from high-intensity burning and beaver dams have been shown to reduce the power of runoff and filter out sediment that fills rivers and streams after a wildfire. Beavers are a crucial piece of land stewardship in many places, including right here in South Central Indiana. Our very own Sycamore Land Trust has several beaver dams in Monroe County. Beavers transform the land they inhabit, as well as bring new life into the areas they live. Sycamore Land Trust is a nonprofit conservation organization that has been protecting land, restoring habitat, and connecting people to nature in southern Indiana since 1990. Sycamore owns and cares for 10,763 acres on over 128 protected properties and maintains trails on 13 preserves for free public use. They also have two cameras that watch two different beaver lodges. You can see some of their wildlife footage, which includes not only beavers, but bobcats, and many other native Indiana animals and birds, on their website, sycamorelandtrust.org. If you're interested in checking out the natural habitats beavers help create, you can hike one of my favorite Sycamore Land Trust preserves, Bean Blossom Bottoms. Sycamore Land Trust is a great place to discover nature preserves to hike, and to find ways to share the great outdoors with family and friends. Thank you for tuning in to Lil Bub's Lil Show on WFHB, produced in partnership with Lil Bub's Big Fund. For more info on today's featured animal and topic, find us online at goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org.
2: Up next, in light of the upcoming holiday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, we feature a segment titled Remembering I Have a Dream.
8: I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream. That one day, this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal.
9: You knew you were at a moment of American history. You just knew you were. This is Sandy Fitzpatrick. Tell us where we are right now. We're standing on the very top steps of the Lincoln Memorial, remembering... August 28, 1963, which was one of the most exhilarating days of our life. Our,
10: meaning her and her husband. Jim Fitzpatrick. They'd been married two years when they attended the march on Washington.
9: We actually stood right here at the bottom of the steps. The march was held on a Wednesday. A gorgeous day, not one of Washington's beastly hot days.
10: And as Sandy and Jim recall the
9: crowd? It was said three quarters of the audience was african-american but it was definitely a mixed march
10: was immense
9: you
6: turned around and it was just a mass of people on both sides of the reflecting pool and
10: all the way up to the base of the washington monument now a number of civil rights leaders
9: spoke that day whitney young from the urban league roy wilkins from naacp james farmer and john lewis who is still a great congressperson in our Congress.
10: But when Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. took the podium...
9: Nobody knew this was going to be one of the great speeches of our history. It was melodic. It was powerful. It was almost hypnotic.
8: I have a dream...
9: There was a rolling quality to it.
8: That one day on the red hills of Georgia... Like waves... Sons of former slaves and the sons of former
9: slave owners. Each time it took you to a higher level. Will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood? He had that ability to raise his audience.
6: I'd heard him speak many, many times before. He was from Atlanta. I was from Atlanta. He taught me in college.
10: Julian Bond is, in fact, one of eight students who studied under Dr. King.
6: You know, a lot of people say that, but he only taught one time and he only taught one class. So the other people are saying this, just telling a lie, a terrible lie.
10: These days, after serving in both houses of the Georgia legislature and chairing the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, Bond does some teaching of his own.
6: I'm a professor at American University and the University of Virginia teaching courses in civil rights history.
10: But at the time of the March on Washington, Bond had recently helped found the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, or SNCC.
6: I was the communications director, which I was the publicist.
10: So on that late August day, he was there, right there, at the base of the Lincoln Memorial.
6: I do remember that SNCC were the only people who sang We Shall Overcome. Really? Yes. a picture, pictures of us, both moving pictures and still pictures, of us holding hands and singing We Shall Overcome.
10: But something else Bond remembers, of course, is Dr. King's legendary speech.
6: He delivered it so well, so well put together, it was just wonderful.
8: I have a dream that one day Even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream.
6: This was the rationale of why is there a civil rights movement. It's as if somebody asked him that, and he answered it in this speech.
8: My four little children... One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today.
6: And you couldn't come away from that without having any doubts about why there was a movement and what it wanted.
10: And Bond says thanks to that movement, we've come a long way toward making Dr. King's dream come true. But he hopes we don't stop now. I was part of it, the
6: last generation in American history to engage in sustained mobilization for civil rights. And I don't want to be the member of the last generation that did that.
10: So if you were to sort of give a message to this generation, the next generation, what would that be?
6: I'd say get off your keisters, do something.
10: And back in 1963, that's what Dr. King's speech inspired so many others to do, such as Sandy and Jim Fitzpatrick.
9: We knew it was important, and we wanted to be involved in this.
10: Because after all, they say, Dr. King's dream is, in short the American dream. One of the great
6: articulations of the American dream that's ever been spoken.
8: Let freedom ring and when this happens, when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last.
10: I'm Rebecca Shearer.